Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. I'm Lacey Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. Hi, Lacey. Hey, Jen. I feel like it's been so long since we've sat down to do this. I think it's been three weeks. I know. I've I've missed you and I've missed this recording, which I did not think was possible when it felt like we were recording all the time, but it feels like the break has almost been too long. I know. And now we're kind of jumping in for the long haul, I feel, with Lent and Easter ahead of us. But first, I want to know, what have you been up to these past few weeks? Well, we've been in Epiphany, an ordinary time, and it has been very not ordinary around (laughs) my neck of the woods. Um, My designer moved to Fort Worth. She's still going to be working with me, Haley, but we're learning how to work remotely, which is a whole exciting new learning curve. Our office moved down the hall, and most excitingly and also the scariest part (laughs) is that um, my husband turned in his letter of resignation at work to work with us at Sacred Ordinary Days. So not ordinary at all. (laughs) The new ordinary. (laughs) The new ordinary. Yes, absolutely. So lots of learning curves. We also got the retreat registration up. So you can head to sacredordinarydays.com to find that. It's going to be Memorial Day weekend, Friday, May 27th and Saturday, May 28th with more excursions on Sunday. And you can learn more about it in both Lacey and I's newsletters as well. We also put up some new PDF options for our planner and our art prints at gumroad.com slash sacredordinarydays because now that we know that the academic planner is going to be coming out and exactly when that is, you can now get a PDF just between now and then so that you're all ready to go for the academic planner when to it comes out. To tide you over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have been up to lots of exciting things, too. Tell me about you. I have. Um, it's, whew, it feels like so long, and then it also feels like yesterday that we were just together because so much has been happening. We've been doing some construction right by my office <laughs> up here, and so it's been really disorienting. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that has really, like we talked about last time, um, rule of life and morning rituals, that is solidified the value of the morning ritual for me. I kind of come up to my office before people get in and to maintain the space, to keep vigil with it, to keep it sacred since during the day it's a bit bit bombarded by noise. Um, So that's what home life has been for me in this season of Epiphany and also as we think about how some traditions mark this as ordinary time as well. I've kind of been holding both and seeing the invitations and where they take me. But also on uh, last week, last Wednesday, I released prayer beads in my shop. They're wearable prayer beads, so they're um, designed to be stretched around your wrist twice. And it has, just like the calendar, was something that came about because it was something I wanted for myself. I had been using prayer beads in my practice, and they were just so, I wanted to wear them, to take them with me, to take um that time and those words and that invitation with me into my day, but they weren't quite right to fit around my wrist. And so I decided to make them myself. And I've um, got one with a labyrinth, one with a feather, a Celtic cross and a Hamsa hand. And um, it's been so exciting to see the response 
for them. So they are available in my shop. You can find that at asacredjourney.net slash shop. And so I know that in the midst of making, I don't know, 40 or more prayer beads the last couple of days, you've also we'll call been it 40 enjoying... for the season of Lent. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> but you've also been enjoying having some new students in your meaningful morning course. Yes, definitely. Uh, we offered a special Sacred Ordinary Days podcast coupon code to save $5 off of that after we talked about meaningful mornings and creating a morning ritual in our last episode. And so it's been fun to see. I can see who uses the coupons. And so a lot of people have responded with that and taken the challenge to um, cultivate a more meaningful morning during this season. And today, February 10th, is the last day to use that coupon code. It is SOD podcast. And you can use that at a sacredjourney.net when you find the Meaningful Morning course there. I'd love to have you join me and save $5. We are going to have to get several of the students onto the podcast along the way to share about their experiences. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the best part is to see what people create from it, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we're moving into Lent. Today is Ash Wednesday. And... Lacey, tell us more about what we can, what the invitation is for this season. Yeah, well, Lent begins, as you said today, on Ash Wednesday, and it lasts through what is called in the church Holy Saturday, which is the day before Easter, and this year, that is March 26th, so from February 10th, which is today through March 26th. It is 40 days, all in all, not counting Sundays, which are traditionally seen as feast days, and so not a time for fasting. And we'll talk a bit more about fasting in this episode, but that is probably the most commonly known practice for the season, so you can understand why they might count that way. So technically, you can figure out when Easter is each year and count back six weeks from the date of Easter, and then add four days, and you'll land on Ash Wednesday. The color for Ash Wednesday is purple, and I like the juxtaposition here. It represents both royalty as we are preparing for Easter um, and seeing the fullness of Christ and also suffering. And so it has both sides of the coin there. And the traditions, the main one, is how we begin on Ash Wednesday and the imposition of ashes on your forehead And then there's also a deeper engagement of spiritual practices. So fasting, as I mentioned before. And then there's also two others that are considered part of the Lenten tradition, prayer and almsgiving, which is um, generosity, giving of yourself, of your funds, of your time to others. Lent means actually the word springtime, which I feel like, not a lot of people know, and which I love because it has a deeper meaning to it than what we originally perceived Lent to be. It evokes mm. for us, well, for anyone in the world, but I think particularly us as we are in the Northern Hemisphere at this time, an image of a bulb sprouting from the ground as spring approaches. And I think we talked about this a bit last time too, that you kind of think, well, it's really cold outside. Why are you doing this? And all around it seems dead, and yet there's this promise of new life, the first signs of spring ahead. I'm noticing that 
for both Christmas and Easter that both of those seasons of celebration begin in the dark. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we are already seeing some of those echoes of Advent in Lent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just as with Advent, it was, and, you know, you mark this if you use an Advent calendar, especially journeying toward the light, uh, in the same way with Easter and through the season of Lent, we're journeying toward just as the bulb continues to sprout into a daffodil or your your bulb of choice, your flower <laughs> of choice. Um, that same thing happens in this season of preparation. And so uh, as we talk about things, preparation certainly is one of them, just like Advent, as you mentioned. And humility to disruption with those imposition of ashes uh, also a theme of interior journey as we as we walk this path. Contemplation, desert places, springtime, as I said, and spiritual practices, particularly those focused on self-examination. We engage our trials. We participate with devotion. There's fasting, prayer, generosity, a surrendering of the false self, and an emptying and making space. For holy days, there are many. We'll talk more about those that fall in Holy Week when that time comes right before Easter. But today, especially when we want to talk a bit about Ash Wednesday, because that's what begins the season of Lent, and that is occurring today. It's both a somber and repentant time, and it's a time where usually you traditionally attend a church service and you receive ashes on your forehead, the ashes that are made from the palms from the previous Palm Sunday. As the minister states, from dust you have come, and to dust you will return, which is from the third chapter of Genesis. Are you going to an Ash Wednesday service tonight, Jen? What's that like for you? I am actually like going first thing in the morning, but oh. I think we're going we're gonna to play it by ear this year. Our church has several services throughout the day, as I know lots of churches do, and if your church doesn't have a service, you can bet that an Episcopal church or Catholic church near you will be, so do some Googling. But yeah, our church has services several times during the day, and I like going either to the first one or to the last one, mm. and I, we're just going to see which one we can do yeah. together. Bookending your day. Yeah, our church has one in the evening, and I feel like... I didn't go last year. I don't remember it. So I'm excited about um, experiencing that and engaging, marking the beginning of the season of Lent Mm -hmm. in that way. What's meaningful to you about Lent, Jen? You know, the Ash Wednesday service in particular, um, I have a memory of my very first experience with counseling therapy and my counselor several years later who was just an incredible woman and um, was with me in a really rough season of my life. She is the first person to ever place ashes on my forehead the first year Mm. that I went to an Ash Wednesday service. And that particular experience of um, exchanging ashes with her was so meaningful. And so that is a really a special one to think of people who've been so meaningful in your own life and to realize that even they have come from ashes and will return Mm -hmm. to ashes. Well, I I love that too, because Ash Wednesday can feel 
I mean, almost embarrassing in a way, getting these ashes on your head and mm-hmm. hearing this message and then going out to go get groceries or something with the right. ashes on your head. And so to connect it with someone who has been so important in your own growth kind of transforms that practice um, in a way. Absolutely. Makes it, you, allows you to see the beauty in it. It also makes it really stark if you're if you're putting ashes on someone's forehead who you know may actually be near returning to ashes. Hmm. Um, Hmm. I have noticed that several years as I have placed ashes on the foreheads of people who were much nearer to death than I and age. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that that's a sobering moment for sure. You hear that message, that phrase differently each year, I'm sure as your journey continues. Absolutely. I also think for, you know, 40 is such a significant number in scripture in so many different places but I just, I don't think of my own life in 40-day chunks, you know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I haven't thought about and it that way. So even thinking of this season of Lent in a chunk of 40 mm-hmm. days, that is its own interesting, exciting reordering. Yeah. And as I said, it's such a season of, has been and continues to be a discernment for my husband and I, as Grant submitted his letter of resignation and will begin working with me and our little team, it it feels really helpful to be making this transition in this season. I also really love that during the season of Lent that fasting becomes a more commonplace conversation. Yeah. Normally I feel like the only people who talk about fasting or or actually do fast are just the really enthusiastic mm-hmm. people or um, perhaps people who are really prone to, uh, I was going to say self-flagellation, but perhaps mm-hmm. that's a bit dramatic. But, you know, people who are really consumed with their own sinfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result... Take discipline can, to an extreme, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it can make it feel really unattainable or unapproachable mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. it just doesn't relate to quote, someone like you or someone like me. Um, And so I think as as with all spiritual practices, there's something about doing it together, participating Mm -hmm. with, you know, I wouldn't say the whole of the church, but a number of of people who make up the church the world world over. It takes the edge off a Mm -hmm. bit. I think it demonstrates that fasting is and can be for everyone. And I also appreciate there's so many conversations about the different postures to hold towards fasting, why you do it. And I like seeing those conversations come out. Mm -hmm. It really, as you were saying this, I was kind of realizing that this, if you participate in it, is one of the only times throughout the year that the whole church, those who are participating in the season of Lent, are doing the same practice. And that is oh, powerful, that's a good point. especially mm-hmm. when, as you said, it's such um, such an uncommon practice otherwise, or unspoken, strange practice otherwise. And so, absolutely, yeah, it feels really powerful to be doing that together um, around the world and also throughout time. Mm-hmm. And I've found that you know, as our tribe has grown, folks who are working with the liturgical seasons, either through your sacred seasons wall calendar or through our sacred ordinary days. Um, liturgical day planner that shared practice piece of the puzzle has been really meaningful for a lot of Mm -hmm. folks and I know even just for you and I 
journeying through the yeah. liturgical year together. Just these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been really meaningful. And so my um, my gut is that this we'll find the same to be true by sharing a practice yeah. of fasting, though mm-hmm. the specifics of which, you know, are more personal. Yeah. Um, I also think it's it's so meaningful to have this time set aside as an opportunity to look really closely and know yourself mm-hmm. and to strip away the things that are not yourself. Um, and while conversations about the true self and the false self has, have been so helpful for me, one particular reference that has been really illuminating is um, you know, Jess Lively, who has The Lively Show, another podcast, and who does a lot of writing about living with intention. She often references the story of Michelangelo as he describes that the process of carving the David statue was, you know, as as people have asked, Mm -hmm. how did you do it? (laughs) Yeah. He said, it's easy. You just, I just carved away all Mm -hmm. of the stone that wasn't David. Mm -hmm. And I think Lent is an invitation, again, depending on how you, what posture you hold towards fasting. It's an invitation to look at that which is not really us and to strip it away. And I actually, I haven't been to Florence, but... You have. Yeah, that's what, whenever I heard you mention this for the first time, I love it, this this metaphor where the, the statue of David actually is in the Academia in Florence. There is this hallway leading up. You see David at the end, but there are on either side statues that I think they're called the prisoners or something, and they're huge blocks of marble or whatever, whatever stone you like to make yeah. statues with. But um, <laughs> from Michelangelo, who you can see they're almost breaking out of the stone, and so some of their features are formed, but the rest is just mid-chisel, kind of mid-process, and it's such beautiful imagery, both as you see it on the edges and look towards the finished piece, like you were talking about, how you reached the statue of David, as well as when you think about uh, the season of Lent and the spiritual journey, chiseling away to find the true self, and sometimes it's a little click, click, click here. You kind of step back, take a look, a little, little more click click or over here um yeah that's powerful I'm grateful to be reminded of it I also think it's helpful to for me at least this is the first time I've ever noticed this that um Lent has a lot of similarities with an intentional practice of Sabbath keeping there's a focus on unhurriedness on quiet, on rest, and again, on on stripping away and holding space. Mm-hmm. And so I'm certainly hoping to do some more reflecting on how my Sabbath keeping can grow and change yeah. as a result of my Lent practice this year, which I think is an interesting, I don't know, an, an interesting thing to notice, especially since... The Sabbaths, the little Easter's mm-hmm. all throughout Lent are times that we actually break the fast from Lent. So I don't know. I'm just going to be yeah. playing with that and noticing. Well, that noticing what's what really related to that theme of preparation again. If we see, as you said, associated Sabbath and Easter, kind of the 50 days of Easter as this big celebration of life and Sabbath uh, kingdom come, then uh, noticing and preparing through Sabbath keeping along the way really uh, gets you in the right space for the season of Easter. Mm -hmm. 
What about you, Lacey? What what are you finding meaningful about Lent this time around? Well, I think just that I, I feel like whenever, and again, you know, as we've talked about, I didn't grow up in a tradition that marked the season of Lent. And so it still was fairly new to me, but I'd heard of fasting and I heard people speak about the season of Lent. But whenever I learned that um, the word comes from springtime and uh, read more reflections of the true self and the false self and how it's a time to, like you said, look closely and strip away, that really transformed the season uh, for me from something that kind of often feels aesthetic and dreary, more Mm -hmm. like a march toward death as we uh, look toward the crucifixion into rather a journey of restoration and transformation that will lead us closer to our true selves and the divine and, of course, the fullness of Christ that we experience on Easter Sunday and the season that follows. And the full humanity that yeah. that we get to participate in and his yeah. journey towards that. Yeah, definitely. Really marking both sides. I feel like with this false self thing, it's um, a season of leaving behind the false self in order to more fully inhabit our true selves, even and very much so in our, in our humanity as Christ came, um, Christ incarnate came to show us what it truly means to be human. I know that for me, I usually think of the false self as the ego and something Um, automatically to be shunned. And you were sharing that Richard Rohr has transformed your thinking on that. Yes. And that, I feel like that's been helpful for me. Um, The ego part in the past, especially when I think about sin or the things that keep me from God and from Mm -hmm. my true self in, in God. But he also just describes that another word for ego can also be attachments um, or distractions or obsessions anything that's not of the essence. So it's not necessarily bad, but it's things that separate us from God or have the potential to, in a way. I was thinking more about the particular instances of 40 40 in the Bible, 40 years, 40 days, and there there are many, but especially thinking of one, Jesus' fasting in the Mm -hmm. wilderness after his baptism, and he is, you know, the the temptation of Jesus comes after that. But in essence, he is preparing to begin his ministry in the world. And so even even Jesus left the outside world, uh, sought out silence and solitude, as we talked about maybe in morning rituals or something, to get to his essence, the essence of his vocation, the essence of his journey. And so I feel like that's the invitation, too, to do separate ourselves from the things that can distract, from the attachments that we have, from the shoulds even, and Mm -hmm. to really rest in the presence of God, which that is our true selves, that is um, our true purpose, our true place of belonging. And the same with the Israelites, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They, if you read the story, uh, you can realize that it didn't take 40 years to get there, technically, But instead, um, (laughs) God had them wander because they were so attached to, you know, they were complaining in Egypt, it was, you know, in slavery, it was better. This We had this or that or whatever. Um, Attached to the past, the false self that we can know, having read the story, that that was not their true identity. Um, Yet they were shackled by um, these distractions and that they weren't 
ready to enter the promised land. And so there was that desert period of um, surrendering the false self and living into the true self, realigning with the path the divine laid out before them. And so that, I feel like, uh, really enriches the season of Lent when you look at it through that perspective as a time of, yes, desert, but flourishing as well. Mm-hmm. I also think it models for us that there are times of fasting that perhaps it's your way of doing a trial period of something that you know you ought to be letting go of, but mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. want to let go of. Um, you know, there's Paul talks about wanting to be rid of things and and not able to yeah. to rid himself of them, and so I think you can approach fasting that way. Mm-hmm. Others will say that, you know, approaching fasting as a time to cast off something that you ought to cast off anyway, or that, you know, that's a sin, that that misses the whole point. Um, if, if our desire is to be faithful to following Christ and we know that something is a sin, we ought to just cast it off. That fasting is a time for getting rid of things that are good things and and in doing so, looking forward to re-engaging with them and, and bringing them back into your life at the end of a period of fasting. Um, what I appreciate so much, and maybe this is just my Baptistness that I feel like I can pick and choose, but both of those approaches to fasting have been so helpful to me at different times. And I think both of these stories of Christ in the desert and um, the Israelites in the wilderness Give me two different ways of seeing That's true. It That's a great as well. Yeah. A great example. I love that. Really helpful. So how would you go about discerning um what what to give up uh when you're fasting or even just discerning how to engage the season of Lent? Jen, how do you approach discernment? Mm-hmm. You know, for me I think of discernment as an ongoing unfolding and um for me it is when I am wisest and um, being truest to what I know of God mm-hmm. and what I know of myself. Your true self, we could say even. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's usually the result of having a, a time of silence and stillness and being rooted in that and then action and movement. And I know that for me, um, I'm constantly adjusting course mm-hmm. <laughs> in different areas with with a practice or with um, my approach to any number of things. And, um, but I can't, I can't figure out how and where I need to adjust course from a place of standing still Mm. um, or from a place just of silence. Um, I need to to speak, act, move, and notice and discern from there. Engage. Noticing is another. Mm -hmm. Engage, yeah. Um, It gives, it gives me something to get feedback on. Um, and then, you know, to move forward and gosh, I think another huge piece of the puzzle is, you know, as, as folks are trying to decide, you know, what you're fasting from during Lent or if you should marry this person or, or your morning ritual. if you should divorce this person or what your morning ritual is. Yeah. Any number of things, um, big, small, different, whatever. Um, it is so helpful 
to be reminded, and I've been so grateful for people who've done this for me, just start with what is actually in front mm-hmm. of you. Start with the question you are actually being asked. The season that you're in, I feel like, because discernment can change what's right and wrong at the time or toward life. Absolutely. The time will change from as season it, to as season. As it should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're starting with with where you actually are, who you are, where you are, um, what is what is being presented to you in the here and now, what's actually available versus not available, um, gosh, helpful, helpful, helpful mm-hmm. reminder. And I just feel like it gives so much mercy to start where you are rather than this ideal of mm-hmm. what you think you should be who you think you should yes, be or what you really think you should be doing. Like, for example, like mm-hmm. all this construction mm-hmm. that I've got going on right now to force myself to do all these things because this is the way I want something to be versus just to say like, Lacey, that is, that's hard. You know, there's a lot. Or that's just not going yeah, to work. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to work. There's a lot going on and it makes sense that you're tired and it makes sense that maybe you need a little more, sleep, you know, something like that is just the biggest grace. Yes. And I think even, you know, even with recording this podcast, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon and neither of us work on Sundays normally. And, you know, I think, I think it gives some more room, some freedom, again, some grace, Mm -hmm. um, to, to really just start with where you are and what question you're being asked now. And some of those questions, if, if you need some questions, um, I would start with, just Googling um, basic coaching questions or life coaching questions. Um, it is its own practice. It's not made up. It's not fake. It It is not a poor man's this, that, or the other thing. Um, coaching is its own practice with its own ethics and approaches and foundations, and it is really, really solid. So if you're someone who's looking for some questions to get started, I'd start there or Um, I think also spiritual direction. You can go to um, the Spiritual Direction International website. And what is that, Lacey? SDIWorld? SDIWorld.org, I think. Yeah. And, you know, both Lacey and I are trained spiritual directors, and that has been um, another helpful resource for us to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, Just basic questions that you ask in spiritual direction. Yeah. Or certainly go see a coach or a spiritual director. So I feel like Um, those that you've outlined so far then are the present ways of engaging discernment. I feel like past would be scripture for sure. mm -hmm. And um, the church's witness. And so not only who we have known God to be in scripture and um, both in the, what we say sometimes via positiva, the positive way, but also the via negative, Diva, what we know God not to be, what we know not to be mm-hmm. of God. And then um, through the stories of seekers through the ages in Scripture, which Rob Bell on his podcast described it as a, an unfolding of human consciousness, which I love and which I feel is helpful um, as we especially like read the Old Testament and kind of think, wait a minute, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be doing those things <laughs> right now mm-hmm. that um, some of the war things or the... Um, or things that that can cause us t- to struggle and wonder what's going on. But to see it as this unfolding story makes it hugely powerful. And we can see then how great the process of discernment, how great a role it has played um, through those people in Scripture as well as um, 
the cloud of witness, the great cloud of witnesses that mm-hmm. have gone before us in saints, in um, ministers, in, in people known and unknown. And I think it helps us look back at our own history um, with a little bit more gentleness to realize, okay, I, I brought the best of myself to what I knew of myself, what I knew of God, what I knew of the world at the time. And I know more, so now I'm going to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know better, so now I'm going to do better. Yeah. Um, so I think another, another posture of grace. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, as you said, um, the, my personal practice of discernment involves um, looking at scripture, looking at the church's witness, and seeking wise counsel. And, you know, you can kind of roll the church's witness and, and wise counsel into one. Mm-hmm. But I know for, for me, it's helpful to look at both. Um, and then my own personal experience, um, which is, I feel like, which is where we meet God in the present moment. And so certainly we can meet God through scripture and things like that, but we meet God in the present moment and that we're reading that scripture in the present. Uh And so it's hugely valuable and in some churches, not as widely considered. What's helpful for me about holding those things together and certainly some have more weight than others. But what's helpful to me about holding those together is that, um, all of those teach me about the character of God, as you said, Mm -hmm. and, and that what I might wake up thinking or feeling on any given Tuesday may move me towards something that really is not consistent with the nature of God as displayed throughout scripture and throughout the church's witness Mm -hmm. and, um, in the wisdom of, of those I trust, those who've proven themselves as faithful. Mm -hmm. And so holding those together, um, gives you some checks and balances that are helpful and, and helps you see the beauty and the value of your role without making it all about you, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think <laughs> less pressure. If we're thinking of this in a, like a past, present, future thing, the future would be, as you say, to, um, as you said earlier, to spend time with it, um, time in mm-hmm. prayer, um, time in silent solitude, sitting with it, letting it unfold, and uh, in remaining in conversation with those um, who are wise counsel to you, those whom, whose discernment you trust. I think that this is why we practice. This is why we come come to the table of the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practice, why we engage. And it's it's to cultivate a posture, a posture mm-hmm. of humility, mm-hmm. a posture of listening, um, and to give our times adjust to hearing. I know that when we first started this podcast, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, that we were all learning. Yeah. Even, you know, folks are learning how to listen to our voice based on our tone and cadence we're both women. And so for some folks, it's hard to distinguish our voices, even though for us, it's super obvious, which is which. Um, but in the same way, it's hard to discern the voice of God as opposed to the voice of different people around you, some of whom may have even had almost a godlike um, role mm-hmm. in your life. And so learning how to discern what voice is what, um, and, and to season yourself in those practices, it's helpful. Yeah. And as we continue along the path, um, you know, we need, we need these companions, these 
practices mm-hmm. to be with us. So how are you discerning in this Lenten season um, how you want to posture yourself when it comes to the practice of fasting, Jen? Ooh, that's a great <laughs> question. You know, in the past, the Lenten fast that has meant the most to me and has been the most transformative over, over the long haul, um, which is funny to say because it was just last year, but it was, it was, um, my husband and I gave up variety in our food last year. Oh, I feel like that's and really, that seems plain, but it feels really creative <laughs> well, when thinking about um, fasting. I know that for me, the thing that I love most about food as, you know, different people were thinking about giving up kind of some of the standards, mm-hmm. alcohol, chocolate. I knew that for us and, and for me specifically, what I love most about food is variety. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that, knew and know that for much of the world, there is no variety. You eat the exact same yep. meal three times a day if means. you're lucky mm-hmm. enough. Um, and maybe even for your whole life. Yep. And so part of it was an experiment and um, solidarity in some small way. And I, I feel like I, I learned a lot about the world just in doing it mm-hmm. and, and spent some time learning and researching in preparation. And also it was just something that was, it's really dear to me and that I missed dearly and was eager to get back mm-hmm. to. But, well, I mean, um, that's literal feasting, too. Returning which, to which flavor. Is the point. Yeah. Um, with the Absolutely. season of Easter. I bet you and so, relish that ham right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Or whatever your Easter menu of choices. Mm-hmm. So this year I'm, I'm trying to take a posture of um, open hands versus mm. clenched fists. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hold the things that are dear to me lightly and um, with trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's also this year for me about taking a posture of noticing and, and making some notes as, as I can move forward. So this sounds so silly to say, but this is huge and I'm giving up hot tea mm. <laughs> this year. You said it here. Everyone's heard you, Jay. <laughs> it is my most 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 favorite I mean mm. I probably have six or I mean I don't even know how many cups of tea I normally have a day probably six or eight at least I start the day with it I end the day with it um Earl Grey and Mighty Leafs Orange Dolce are my most most favorite mm-hmm. and I'm drinking honestly, Earl Grey right now is it too tempting really? <laughs> should I tell you this <laughs> um picturing my life the next 40 to 40-ish days mm-hmm. um, without it has me genuinely grieving. a desert place, huh? <laughs> it does. And so I'm excited to see what that exposes yeah. about me and, and how I might carry that forward. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I have also talked about um, setting aside some intentional time for daily prayer mm. together. And so we're still figuring out what time of day that will be and, and what that will look like, especially as he's transitioning to... Um, transitioning away from being employed by someone else to being employed by our business. So yeah. Well, and as we've said, as we said earlier before, prayer is one of the three most common practices for 
for the season of Lent as well. And so we'll be exploring that more a bit in the next episode, I believe. And so mm-hmm. I look forward I, to hearing about what you what you've come up with then. But I, I th- you know, I think it's helpful to, again, approach it with some playfulness and and even say, you know, we pray together, but we don't pray together. We don't have a time that's mm-hmm. set aside every day um, beyond shared meals. And I know that a lot of families or couples do do that, but that hasn't been a part of our practice. So again, <laughs> I'm approaching it with some curiosity to see what pops up. Yeah. I think that's the, another posture to definitely have mm-hmm. curiosity. What posture are you holding towards well, fasting this year? I feel like what's become really meaningful to me when reflecting on fasting in the season of Lent is to focus on making space. Um, so to fast mm-hmm. from things that hinder my growth. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad all the time, but, um, but the idea is making space. So setting aside, surrendering the false self, those things that um, are temporal, the things that um, I might have attachments to or things like that, and making space, carving out time to sink into my true self, sink into um, the presence of God in my life and make room to hear God in that. And so the question I ask is, what is something that takes up space in my life, particularly something that enables my false self that I can Mm. set aside in order to make space for my true self and my relationship with God? And in the past, it's um, the very, in fact, I could say, it was the very first thing I gave up for Lent, I think, um, was the Today Show. It was something that I used to watch every day in the morning. And it wasn't oh, like really? it kept me informed, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a mm-hmm. bad thing. But uh, it didn't allow me space in the morning to um, engage in a morning ritual. And so I was mm. surprised by giving it up how much time I had, you know. How much time I had oh, interesting. by not by not watching and listening, or um, how I could linger over breakfast um, and reflect, or something like that, instead of watch. And once I was eager for it to come back, whenever whenever Easter came. But uh, these days, I actually don't watch it at all. I'm to a place where it kind of feels like noise, noise in the background. And so that's just a way of how my fasting, you know, even though it wasn't something that was inherently bad by any means has uh, contributed to my growth and helped me explore new ways of being by creating space and in this year still related um, but something I think we've done for the past few years is giving up TV which I've been watching a lot of especially because of all this construction (laughs) and stuff like that kind of needing just some alternate reality which it can you know cannot be bad but also can be a red flag too um, sometimes yeah. wondering again, it's about noticing. Well, it's ex- that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I've noticed in the past that whenever I give up TV, like the nights seem, I feel like I have all this time all, all of a sudden. And also <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Kyle and I, the first time we gave up TV, we both ended up reading Harry Potter. <laughs> we called it, <laughs> we called it Harry Potter movie night. <laughs> and so we would both be reading the whole time because we wanted to be entertained, but we weren't watching tv which was which was fun though it's um a fun fun memory for us so all that to say is um i plan on giving up tv except for the oscars that's 
happening on a feast day. And also, <laughs> I will say this. My birthday is March 11th, and so it always falls in Lent. And I got this idea from my mm. brother-in-law. Um, his birthday is in February, and so he calls it his feast day. And so he allows himself a break from from his fasting. So I do that on my birthday as well, and I'd like to give all of the listeners permission if your birthday falls <laughs> in the season of Lent to to make it your feast day. But um, I am both excited to make the space and apprehensive. I know it's going to be hard, but um, that's the that's the gift of this pocket of 40 days, to be curious, to notice, to experience, and to see where my false health, my false self has been hiding, my true self, like with those statues covering up. Um, mm. Another perspective, though, that I do love on it is... Um, that it doesn't have to be something tangible. A mentor and friend encouraged me. It was that same year I was doing the Today Show, and there had been a lot going on in my life that I was taking responsibility. I'm usually, you know, the one who takes responsibility for things, even though I might not need to be that person. So he Mm -hmm. challenged me. This is more about um, the false self, the things that kind of enable you, um, your habits that keep you from who you are meant to be. And so he challenged me to give up taking responsibility, which like seemed like a ridiculous thing. Of course, I wasn't I was in school. I couldn't give up taking responsibility, but when it came to relationship and I had his voice playing in my mind, I started to notice all the times where I might have um, taken responsibility for something where it was, you know, I didn't need to. I didn't need to do that. Mm. And that was kind of covering up um, who my true self was or saying yes. If you're someone who finds yourself so busy that you say yes all the time, you could consider not saying yes or saying no as your practice for the season of Lent. Or uh, if you have some time off from work that you can use, you could fast from work for a week or so and take or a few a few days throughout the season and take silent retreats. And so that, yeah, those are two different ways to That's approach really it in my experience, but both feel like they um, follow the principle of setting your false self aside, whether it's something, you know, like TV or, you know, or something deeper, like saying yes when really you don't need to be saying yes that much and um, making space for your true self and for God. Mm -hmm. In this moment of awareness and naming, shall we end with a benediction? As we all enter the Lenten season, our desert places, seeking out the sacred in our true selves. Yeah, as we're coming to this time of benediction, I find myself reflecting on the benedictions that we've had in our recent podcast episodes. We've read blessings and prayers from modern saints and ancient saints. I sung to you the benediction from common prayer. Um, We've practiced the examine and played with Lexio Divina. And I find myself wanting this week to share a communal prayer with you. I'd love to give you space to whisper or shout your prayers for yourself and for the world and to respond together, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. I'd love to hear your voices. So instead, on Fridays in our Facebook group, we're going to start doing something of the sort. I hope you'll join us there. 
facebook.com slash groups slash sacred ordinary days tribe. So instead, I'd like to say a blessing. This one is also from Common Prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. And this is a blessing for a major life transition, which I am in. But as I have read it and been praying it over myself and our family and our business, I found myself wanting to pray it over you too. Lent can be a major life transition, the movement away from your false self and toward the divine, toward your true self, is a major life transition, though it may come in ordinary, ongoing moments. Lord, help me now to unclutter my life, to organize myself in the direction of simplicity. Lord, teach me to listen to my heart. Teach me to welcome change instead of fearing it. Lord, I give you the stirrings inside me. I give you my discontent. I give you my restlessness. I give you my doubt. I give you my despair. I give you all the longings I hold inside. Help me to listen to these signs of change, of growth. Help me to listen seriously and follow where they lead through the breathtaking empty space of an open door. That this season of Lent and its invitation is an open door to you. We'd love to know what's meaningful to you about the season of Lent. And how will you mark this season? Let us know in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash sacred ordinary days tribe or on social media using the hashtag sacred ordinary days. You'll hear from us again on Wednesday, February 24th when we'll discuss Lent and the practice of prayer. To follow along, subscribe to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're enjoying the show so far, we'd love for you to share it with at least one person this week. Don't forget to register for the retreat. Learn more when you sign up for our newsletters at sacredordinarydays.com and sacredjourney.net.